Good evening. Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Jennifer Precious Finch. How are you? Hi, I'm doing really well. How are you? Good. I'm glad. I'm glad to have you on. I know um, been a fan of yours. Well, from the very beginning, and uh, I'm glad we could talk. And I'm excited to past. Well, it's not so so new, but to me, in COVID, everything kind of time froze. But in mm -hmm. 2019, mm -hmm. you guys also put out a really great album. And oh, thank I, you, Scott. Yes. And I wanted to talk about that because I don't think, well, with COVID, everything, I don't think everything just kind of get washed over. I think, I don't think it got the attention it deserved. I mean, yeah, there's press on it, of course, but, you know, it kind of took the wind out of, out of you know, the sales of everybody. So mm -hmm. I wanted to bring focus onto that, um, that yeah. process. It had been the first album you did in a while, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we actually did a couple shows around it in 2019. And then, of course, that was it. We played with, um, nirvana in uh, january with dave Grohl, and then that was it a couple days later it was locked down so everything got canceled and um as as for everybody how, like writing a new album and stuff how did that happen you guys get together and do the album you guys have been together what 2014 you guys get back together working on the documentary which is really great too. yeah it really started with working on the documentary as kind of a legacy piece you know we didn't really think about if we were going to do shows it would be legacy and we just let everything tear out very naturally like however it felt like no expectations the mm -hmm. success was being in the process right so we worked on the documentary with um, some producers and a director and that was released and decided to do some shows and then decided to do a single and then we're like, maybe we could just record and just do a new record. And everyone came together with their material and we did it. Are you guys located nearby each other? Or was it like one of those sending each other music back and forth type of deal? It's for... Yeah, I think that the, uh, the it, it we started very much with the way that we had always worked in the past. And I think that's very natural for people that have worked in groups that have worked mm -hmm. together for like extended periods of time you kind of default and I always like to say it's sort of like having that friend that you just never have time to call but you realize you were friends when you called so you just forget you can text them and just tell them you're thinking about them or whatever right. and then you you have to kind of recreate how you communicate and I think that's happening with bands you know now more so than ever because we're trying to you know we're navigating a new world we're navigating new technology and, you know, we're kind of bringing our relationships forward into the future. And I think now is like more important than ever to do that with any relationship. Um, yeah, so we got together a lot and we played and these were some riffs and we had gone out on tour and would just maybe play some stuff at Soundcheck or whatever. And then, you know, really this record really became um, over COVID, you know, some of us were just a little bit more averse with jumping on Zoom and maybe playing together yeah. a little bit, like, you know, and, you know, it's evolving and it will evolve. Well, that's what's an interesting question because a lot of bands love to play together and a lot of them are like, when's this happened? They froze. They, they, they're like, you know what, we're going to we'll hold on this because we want to be together in a room. Some bands kind of took, sure. well, let's, let's see what's going on. And some people are like, you know what, this is great because when we're done, I can just stop by and I can go upstairs to my house. I don't have to deal with it, just to travel. You know, everyone has a different view on how well it works. So I'm always curious to see how, you know, each band is handling the change, you know, because some bands live in different countries and they're able to contact each other. No, it's, of course, it's really, it's really about the group and their proficiency and inspiration and comfort. I mean, I think that what we're dealing with now in, the, you know, my generation or whatever is, 
you know, we work in, we work together and feel that kind of, you know, that in-person inspiration. And a lot of this was a lesson on how to generate your own inspiration and generate your own work and be productive in your own work. Um, I, over COVID, have worked with different groups doing different stuff. Also, I, I contribute, I've contributed music over COVID to different people. And even right now, as we're speaking, I'm working with a band from Amsterdam and, you know, they're, we're sending tracks back and forth. And a couple of the members in that group are older and want me to fly in. And the engineers and I are kind of talking on the side, like, do we really need to do that? You know, yeah. do, do, does everybody really need to be in the same room? And the answer is possibly, I mean, that's where the magic can happen, you know? So I think what, you know, sometimes uh, listening even to professional recorded pop music over, yeah. you know, 80s and 90s, you can kind of hear the difference between professionals coming together and not playing with each other versus a band, which is played together and no, you know, I know every nuance inside and out of L7. Like I know every slow snare hit, every, you know, quick guitar stroke. And as a bass player, you know, really like tune into all of those kind of nuances to the point where people sit down and try to play L7 songs and they don't get it. They think it's easy punk rock, but they don't realize that there's actually a nuance of four musicians who have been on the road together for many, many years, even prior to our biggest releases and, um, you know, Bricks Are Heavy in 92, um, or Beauty Process, um, Hungry for Stink. We had been on the road together for years prior to recording that. And there's nuances in there you can only get when people are friends and know each other and go through the trials and turbulations of being in a band. You know, you can, the music reflects that. That is reinforced in the excellent documentary I'm gonna encourage people to see. It shows how close you guys are. And it's, it's you know, even the arc, if I'd say like, listen, if you're not even a music fan, you're always, you're rooting for the characters of you guys because the closeness and the bond and what you guys work on, you know, that, that plays mm -hmm. into your music though. I mean, that's something you can't replace anywhere else, you know, and, and a lot of bands aren't like that. And actually, I can't think of a lot of bands that I don't think I've ever heard anybody do a cover song, really, or maybe, you know, besides your, your single, no one really does it, you guys, you know, no, no one does cover you guys like that. You're um, one of those bands. Lisa Meyer. My Fuel of My Fire was covered. Oh my gosh, I'm how clearly like unprepared. Uh, we've had had covers. Well, you know what I'm saying? Not like, not like you know, every you know, a certain band that can easily cover every band. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Right. It's more of a challenge. You guys are not the same common. They're not a commodity that's easily copied, you know. And the people that do like you don't um, don't want to mess it up. They want to do you right, you know. I, I you know, that's what I, I think. don't know. Do you think that's what it is? Or I think that like there isn't like a lot of people that listen to L7 and are really able. They just don't have context to like derive actually how brilliant it is. And I'm in the band, so it's like a hard thing to talk about. But um, yeah, it's the prodigy that covered Feel My Fire, by the way, oh. if anyone wants to look at Yes, I do remember um, that now. Yeah, I was thinking so, like local bands time jamming out, kind of like you don't really see that. You're not going to walk into a club. I've never walked to a club and seen another band. I, I, once in a while, we see it. There, there are cover bands. We've had a, a drag queen band cover us, which is awesome. always, when you look awesome. at Yeah, you know, I always say there's nowhere left in society. We're so beyond farce and parody right now, but in the drag scene, 
it just can go so far. It's still brilliant. Even in 2022, as we're doing this interview, it's the only place now that I think like parody still works. It's still funny. Well, you guys have been very important in in sticking up for for women's rights for years, which has been fantastic. You know, being a father of. It's hard not to, right? Well, it's hard not to be human. It's actually hard not to be a human being, and it's, it's it's ridiculous that it had to be like a thing. It's not just it just should be a right, you know. But in context, it was always good to see that you know somebody saying something and doing something. The very even at you know, in the very beginning, I was always glad to see that. Yeah, as, even as, even as a guy. It's interesting too, because definitely like what we were doing to forward the rights of all human beings was to be ourselves without compromising to the expectations, mm -hmm. I think, of, of society, right? Like that was the the our our, our biggest um contribution. But you know, it's also the media and perception that applies that just to women's rights. I mean, all of us have worked for trans rights, gay rights, um, you know, you know, against poverty, um, all kinds of issues, you know, but it makes sense for to label us sort of into the women's rights movement, which I'm grateful for. And uh, yeah. It's really, and yeah, it's, great, it's good to see. <laughs> we, here's the thing, and, and I know you guys have had this too, and I'll say to other people, I, it was always awful to hear them saying, you know, the what's it like to be a woman or a female band or a girl band when you don't hear no one is sitting down and saying to Motorhead, what's it like to be an all guy band? You know, of course, but we know guys, why. Right? I know why, and it's why. Easy, easy, easy thinking. But to me, I always was like, oh my god, they're just a band. Talk about their music. You know, there's so much. They're so entertaining. There's so much to talk about. And comparing sure. that, it was, it was. I always thought it was lazy. You know. Yes. Yeah. You know, and to me. It was great to see the interviews and how you would always take 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 um, the wind out of the interviewers when they would do that. So I always enjoyed that. <laughs> We're doing that. Yeah. But the world's changed. You know, you know, and and I, I would hope that you guys have less questions like that and you get more, just people finally catching up to who you guys are as a band, you know, and playing out. Do you think you've people are starting to catch up to you? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, in order to answer that would mean that I have to have reflected on it. And I think that the beauty of my participation in L7 is that we don't have to reflect on marketing angles to be able to be successful in what we do. And I think that's a, a much broader conversation than um, being female. I was right? getting more just successful as when you talk to people, they stop giving you the garbage of being just a girl band and you're just a band. You just treated for who you are i think success yeah, I think is different probably just a little more also you know we're out you know we're kind of out of a certain area of our lives and also so much of the nuances and experiences that we've had have been more broadcasted so there's more to talk about when they when you did the um the documentary was there like did you guys have like a ton of footage or did people have to get like where all the footage come from because there's some great footage in it it's really fun it's all of our footage all of our footage we went through it it was some of it i mean i would just text anita and be like i there's 40 minutes of this show. you hear you do this and she'd text me and say like i can't even watch this anymore can you like skim through it and tell me what's on it there was so much i think like probably just in the cameras i had like 56 hours 
maybe. Okay. Holy moly. My so, I mean, I'm always, I have been just a documentarian my whole life. I've always hid behind something, whether it's an instrument or a camera. And I was a mm -hmm. photographer. I guess since I was 12, I went out and, and realized like that there was just a certain magic with visual media. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been a photographer since and an archivist. What are you doing with your photographs right now? I know for a while you were starting to do some stuff with them. Are you going to be doing more more stuff putting your photographs out some more? Or? Yeah, currently for the next year, I'm going to offer, I'm just going through and kind of writing about my work a little bit and I'm releasing it slowly in, in small bodies as fanzines. So I just released a fanzine this year. I made, I don't know, I think 55 issues and I just sell them to my newsletter and people on my newsletter like I just like hey I'm working on this project and you know everyone kind of shows up and purchases it and we can be in conversation about it which I love I think that like media is a conversation mm -hmm. so things like books and documentaries actually don't kind of turn me on that much because I feel like they're more milestones since <laughs> like I kind of like I, you know even albums you know what I mean? Like if ever there was an era I should have been 25 year old in, it would be this one. Like, uh, you know, uh, this is kind of where I feel the most comfortable actually as a visual artist. Really? And I know nobody ever wants to hear that, but it's the truth. Like when we had to go on this last tour with L7, just did a month long, very successful, awesome. Yes, tour. congratulations you, on that. I'm so happy to see that. Yeah, I had to pick up a bass rig. Like, I don't own a bass rig right now. I don't own any stuff. And I'm just like, oh, my God, if I have to have another SBT Ampeg, <laughs> you know, I, I can't. Everything was so large and heavy. And that's like this thing that no one like talks about that like heavy music was created by really heavy equipment so you had to be strong to play music and I actually you know I'm very grateful I had a, a couple companies that kind of you know vied for me playing their equipment and yeah. we were doing the conversations like you and I are having and we talked about you know tone and like all this you know frequency and all this stuff and then I just said can you go can you turn around and pick that rig up for me <laughs> and the, one, the guy was just like oh yeah it's totally manageable I'm like okay black star winner <laughs> <laughs> well that that is true i mean well, luckily things have got a little bit lighter um but yeah and even even the bases used to be super heavy i know they've got a little bit lighter but bases used to be super heavy you know oh play. my god i have neck i still have neck and shoulder problems in order for me to go out i was gonna ask you how, how's your back doing yeah i have to go to a pt like a physical therapist for at least five times so it's really interesting because you think like well you know you just jump into the van and throw your base in the back and go on tour and i'm just like i need ibuprofen and ice and a physical therapist and a regular therapist and <laughs> Pilates classes and like all of these things that I wish I did when I was younger because I probably wouldn't have the problems I have now. My daughter plays bass, <laughs> so when I grab her bass, I'm like, man, it's so much heavier. It's <laughs> you're unrelenting, that instrument. Um, you know, great. I hate watching other people, um, like the videos of other people play. And often when I go see bands play, I let go of the visual of the band. 
I don't like mm -hmm. to necessarily watch them. I like to hear. I went and saw the psychedelic furs <laughs> the other night playing in Los Angeles. And I don't know if you've ever seen that bass player, but he's so tall. And the bass looks like this tiny little instrument on his really? body. And I'm just like, oh my God. It's like, what I've done as a five foot two person actually is pretty remarkable with these like ridiculous logs with strings. Great show. I'm just going to say it's a great show. My friend Amanda plays keyboards. Mm -hmm. She's writing a book right now on uh, women musicians and alternative music, more from like an 80s generational stand, yeah. of course. And, um, it's really good. She let me read it. And it, it's interesting. It's an interesting read. Well, you, you have also been, and this is kind of funny, um, as you were talking earlier, you also, obviously, you're very much into computers and networking and computer uh, knowledge. But earlier on, there's a clip out there of you, was, uh, was it AOL or something? And you were very early sure. on do, doing like blogs and stuff when nobody was doing it. In fact, I was even touching computers with dial up until I'm like, until I can do something for real on a computer, I have no desire. You know, to, to like really something I could really do a lot, something more meaty. Um, but you were right yeah, in at the very beginning. I've been, yeah, I was obsessed with computers and gaming. Very, I mean, maybe late seventies. But that's an I awesome video. It. It's great. It's totally awesome. Yeah, yeah. I originally, um, you know, went to San Francisco State University in the eighties because they were going to do something like a equivalent of a digital media music department. And they never got it off the ground. So I left school to join L7 in 86. And that's part of my story is I started with like this computer engineering education, which was boring. I mean, that was horrible. You know what I mean? Like there was no, of course, like anyone who knows the industry, there was no UI then. There was no visual aspect to it. So I was just immediately kind of like cut out. But then in the 90s, you know, AOL and CompuServe emerged, started to emerge with like visual components. Yeah. you know, and fonts started to get applied to documents and all this like way more interesting stuff. And I'm super obsessed with like how to build community with this. I really thought it was like this outlier. Awesome. It was like, what was going to save the world? And of course, now we're seeing it die. I don't know what happened with Twitter. To me, Twitter was like smart people who can say concise, interesting things. And, and there were some funny people on there too in the beginning, the very beginning. Right, just oh, exactly. Great. Right. And it's interesting because, you know, I still feel the same way about visual media. So I've always been more of an Instagram person, even like right in Instagram in 06, like never really got into Facebook, really into the idea of just here's instantly the visual of what I'm doing, like the prime, like prior to Kardashian and all this kind of stuff that got into it. But now I'm really liking um, Instagram reels because yep. comedians are using it. So I'm like, oh, this is how my technology, like when I think about my tech, personal technology path, it really is about who's who's consuming what's funny. <laughs> and no. it's always been like that. Like who's funny? I'll go to that platform. I, I think funny? That's, it's probably the, the, the closest to being the most purest too right now is, you know, because you can kind of filter through it without, without, you know, who you want to be with, you know. Facebook, I do only because of the show. Otherwise, I'm not on it, you know. YouTube has a good point. I, I mean, for, for, I've, been doing, I've been doing UI for years. I still develop, like, on WordPress. I still do websites. I'm, You know, I'm a creative director at Weekly World News. I don't know. A lot of people don't know that. No, but but I'm part of, like, 
Yeah, I'm part of like uh, the group of artists that kind of bought into bringing back weekly world news. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say something else, but I diverged myself. <laughs> okay. Well, it's well, the um, world's changed with media. I mean, it's it's a hard it's a hard term because it feels like every time something comes out, it gets polluted. You know, mm-hmm. what are you to say? I feel it's going to be yeah. pretty funny. You know, yeah, for sure. You, but I wanted to say in the very beginning, it was very, what I always thought was very cool is it would have been very punk, do it yourself, DIY, when you first getting into the beginning when the internet was breaking out and doing mm-hmm. blogs and doing that kind of stuff. It was very friendly, of, but it would have been easier for people to reach more people than just, you know, local. It would have made it easier for like-minded people to, to blog to each other or do these magazines or fanzines to each other virtually. It would have been a better, it could have been, you know, more pure. You know, obviously the internet has changed a lot. You know, mm-hmm. the potential went out the window. Yeah, but I think it just still proves that people are more niche than they think they are as far as their interests. You know, I still think mm-hmm. that the, you know, the internet or like being in like on screen time still represents a lot of the niche interests, just like they kind of do locally when you're, at school and you like sports versus the people that like art, you know, mm-hmm. you're just looking at like these differences. And like, I think that the internet made it just a little bit easier to um, understand what other people's interests are and to be able to have a buy-in to other people's interests. But the microphones are just going to like the worst actors in it and that's not the actors that's the people who are handing the microphones to them with your photos you say so you do these books and these things can people see your 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 your, your fanzines and stuff i just want to lose my thought though can people i want to add links to all your stuff here to the band but also that people can connect with you and, and check this stuff out and support that and yeah yeah you know i'm i'm a little bit low-key on it because again it's like me operating from the void like so many of us are feeling that we're operating from inside the echo chamber, but I do have a newsletter link that's on my website, jenniferfinch.com and people can sign up for that newsletter. And I do do my best to try to do something that's just like a little bit more interesting than, you know, like maybe an average informational newsletter. So just know that going in, but there's also an L7 newsletter at L7 in the bands. Yeah. And you know, all of the L7, um, you know, social media sites, I recommend following those for L7. We do lots of giveaways and lots of last minute tickets and lots of stuff for our fans who follow on social and who have the newsletter. And that's a really good place. Yeah. I'm going to post your Facebook, Facebook and Instagram and um, the website and then your website also. And if you want your Instagram, whatever, sure. on, on the podcast and on, on, on YouTube. So people can see it mm-hmm. and go to it and support you guys. I mean, you guys should have a, a bigger audience, you know, to enjoy you. I, I'm a show of all types of music. There's no types of music or person that isn't, you know, mm-hmm. shouldn't be discussed for music. There's no guilty music. There's no anything. Everything should be celebrated, you know, or respected if you don't like it at least. Nice. You know, that's a hard, nice. it's a hard sell. It's a hard sell. Not everyone's close to the L7 and then <laughs> listen to another band. You know what I mean? It's, it's a hard call. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's so much competition for entertainment right now, you know. I think a friend sent me a link to their band and I ended up downloading a game. It's just like <laughs> so much. 
just felt so bad. It, it, it's hard. I mean, I get inundated with so much music people now. You know, I started to want to do support the bands during COVID that, you know, weren't going out there that really needed it and go to the websites. Mm -hmm. And the show evolved to be saying, oh, I like this band from this, this group and this group. They're not the same, but people should be supporting them and checking them out. And then other bands are starting mm -hmm. to reach out to me, you know, that could use the attention. And you're like, okay. And the next thing you know, you're in a cycle of, I don't want to say no, but it's like so much out there. I can't even look, you know. So to people out there, I'm sorry. I can't do it all. <laughs> There's not a time in a day, you know, to support sure. everybody. Um, mm -hmm. What is the, the, at this point, the pace for L7 isn't the same as it, and it should be. The world's changed. Are you going to keep just jamming and playing and kind of finding a balance between work lives and the band moving forward? Or is this, you know? <clears throat> You know, as long as there's opportunity to do L7 and it makes sense, we've, we all want to do it. Everybody, you know, everybody has multiple things that they do with their lives. Um, <clears throat> but we have, you know, agreed we want to see what next year is going to look like. We have some shows booked that haven't oh, been cool. announced yet that will be announced. Excellent. Um, some recordings that we had done over COVID that will be hopefully released. Mm -hmm. We're working on what that's going to look like. It will be good come, to see you guys out there. We all come to the table with ideas on on what those releases look like, and you know, probably know from my point of view is self release. <laughs> I'm always that one in the documentary. Like nothing has changed. <laughs> nothing has changed. The thing I love about L7 is that even in an in, in opposing ideas and opposing positions are really well thought through. Like nobody's a dumbass in L7. And it, that's, you, you couldn't ask for like to a better, I mean, I'm going to use the expression work group because you and I are both in tech. Like you couldn't ask for silos. <laughs> yeah, for people to like come in and like, here's what I want to do. And here's like the rational thing behind it. And here's the not rational thing behind it. Like everyone has really good language in L7 to express themselves. And I really appreciate that. I want to thank you for coming on the show. We'll give me some time. This has been awesome. And, and, and people know a little more about you, you know, multimedia and all the things you run to hopefully inspire people, not just bass, but computers. You can, you, you don't have to do one thing. You can do everything, you know, mm -hmm. and, and hopefully people will dig back and, check out a lot of things we said and click on the links you know and get into the l7 Great. world okay thank you thank for being you on the so show so much for having me